Well, amen and amen. Going to let our children be dismissed for children's church. If y'all can leave, I don't know. It's so thick in here now. I just tell you, I don't know if I can leave or not. But as they're going, let me just say thank you for being here this morning. We count it an honor and a privilege that you're here with us today. And I would just say, just uh, as just a point of reference, as these kids are leaving. Uh, this is not really, uh, didn't the choir and all the musicians do a great job? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I know a lot of folk put on a lot, a whole lot for Easter and all, but this is just typical choir for us. This is typical. I'm serious. I mean, you know, we get this every week. Uh, that's why I stay here. No. Easter, boy, I tell you, there ought, Easter ought to make us do three things as children of God. It ought to cause us to be fired up, pumped up because of Easter. He's alive. I love that song, uh, the, the last one we did. I feel kind of empty yet, though, because I, I, I don't want you to feel uh, like you've been slighted. Uh, and we do. We celebrate today that he arose and, and uh, resurrected. But I want to tell you that last verse says he's coming back too. Amen. I want you to remember that today. He's coming back whether you're ready or not. Easter ought to get us fired up. Easter ought to make the word of God understandable. If you came looking for a great scholar, you're in the wrong place. We just, uh, just down home, eating country. Uh, I believe that's the way the Lord wants it. Any other way is great. Jesus went in the synagogues and all, and he spoke plain to those folk. And they were amazed at his teaching, but it wasn't the words. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, because of Easter, our purpose ought to be set. We ought, we ought to know what we're here for. And we ought to proclaim it. Not long ago, a lady wrote Dear Abby a letter. And this is what she said. Dear Abby, your answer to the woman who complained that her relatives we're always arguing about a religion. It was ridiculous. Anybody here got a family like that? Said you advise her to simply declare the subject off limits. Are you suggesting that people talk only about trivial, meaningless subjects to avoid potential controversy? It is arrogant to tell people there are subjects that they may not mention in your presence. Hmm. Dear Abby wrote back and she said, dear so-and-so, in my view, now listen, the height of arrogance is to attempt to show people the errors in the religion of their choice. That's the whole purpose of this church. If you're here today, I don't want to be ugly, don't want to be mean, don't want to be rude in the most humble, gentle way I can tell you. If you're trying to get to heaven outside of Jesus Christ, you're wrong. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And I, I don't want to make you mad, but I just point out you're wrong. See, that, that, that's one of the places we're in in America today. Everybody wants everybody to just, you know, be calm, be calm. Well, we're in the middle of a war. How do you be calm in the middle of a war? 
Now, you, you, I don't, I've never been in the service, but you, you have different ways of battle. You may charge in the offensive. You may hide behind trees and shoot people. You may uh, uh, be in a foxhole, whatever. I want to tell you where we are today in America. We're in the foxhole, and we're surrounded by the enemy. Some of you think you're going to slip out the back of the foxhole and go. No, no, no. The enemy's back there. The enemy's on all sides. It's either do or die in this thing that we're at today. And you say, well, how can you be so sure? Because I've got the inerrant word of God. And this is what I believe. Now, we, we were... Matthew 22. Let me read that. Y'all going to get me all fired up now. Now, ham's going to burn. That's one good thing about preaching this last service. We ain't got nowhere to go but lunch. Amen. <laughs> I can't say that the first two services. Matthew 22, verse 42, and I'll just read it to you. Saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? What think ye of Christ? Is he really worthy? Is he really the son of God? Is he really able to atone for your sin and my sin? Well, let's just go down the line and ask a few people. You know, the best way to get a good answer is to ask somebody you trust. Don't ask a preacher. You can't trust them. Don't ask a denomination. You can't trust them. Yeah? Well, who do you ask? Well, let's ask the Heavenly Father what he thinks about Jesus. He said in Matthew 3, 17, Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. John's baptizing him, and, and, he, and it comes out just in the audible voice, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father says, This is my beloved Son. He also says, This is my only begotten Son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So he's the only uh, beloved son. He's the begotten son. And he is the well-behaved son. John 5, 36, I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father had given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me. The Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. You've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Aren't you thankful, parents, when your kids go off somewhere and they come back and, and somebody says, just want you to know your kids were just well-behaved. They were marvelous. And you're thinking, bless God, they ain't that way at home. <laughs> huh? I, I'm telling you, Jesus didn't do anything on earth that his father didn't tell him to do. He was well-behaved. He was only begotten. He was well-beloved. Well, let's ask the Holy Spirit what he thinks about Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. He's the holiest of holy. He's the humblest of the humble. He himself, the Holy Spirit, is guiding him. He said he's the Son of God. Could I just remind you this morning? That our God is more interested in your holiness and your happiness. Mm. I, I want to try to make you happy, but I want to tell you God's interested in you being holy. Be ye holy as I'm holy is what he said. Well, let's look at the word of God. Let's look at the scriptures and see what it says. Is Jesus really worthy? 
He is he really? He said in John 5, 39, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they that are they which testify of me. What does the scripture say about Christ? In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, I delivered you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, seen of Cephas, then the twelve, above five hundred, and the greater part remain unto the present, some of them fallen asleep. Holy Spirit says, I've seen him. He's, the scriptures say, it proves that Jesus is here. The scripture teaches that Jesus is the Son of God. The scripture teaches that he is worthy, and only he is worthy. Well, let's ask what the saved people think. That's always good. Well, in 2 Timothy 1.12, the Bible says, For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless, listen, I'm not ashamed. Why am I not ashamed? Paul said, because I know whom I have believed and able and, and persuaded that he's able to keep that against that day. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. He's long-suffering toward the saint and the sinner. He is loved because he first loved us. So let's ask John the Baptist what he thinks. John is baptizing out there. The Bible says, he answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latches I'm not worthy to unloose. Uh, now let me tell you something about John. John knew two things. He knew who he was and he knew who he was not. He knew that he was the forerunner of Jesus, the one to announce the Lord coming, the one that said, come and see. He knew that. But he also knew that he was not the Christ. He was not. There's no power in him. It wasn't him whatsoever. I tell you, Christians today think, boy, you, you just, oh, man, you just uh, you get saved and you just live above sin and you're just perfect and everything's great. Let me, I just remind you, I've told you before, you can live above sin if you rent a room above a honky-tonk. But that's the only way you're going to live above sin. That's the only way. Let me tell you, John the Baptist, who, who knew who he was and knew who he was not, Jesus said, did you come out here to see somebody fluffing around in the waves? No, he's solid. He knows who he is. And yet later on, we see John beginning to wonder, is Jesus really the Christ? Is he really the Christ? And he sends help, and Jesus sends back word, telling people are being saved, people are being healed. And he said, praise the Lord. John says he's the Messiah, according to the Scriptures. John says he's the master of heaven and earth. John says he's the means of salvation for every person. Well, let's ask the devil what he thinks. I mean, you, we got to get the devil in on this thing. Well, in Luke chapter 4, they were in Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his doctrines because his words had power. It's what the Word of God says. Verse 33, in the synagogue was a man which had a spirit of unclean devil, cried out with a loud voice. And here's what he said. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The devils know who Jesus is. They tremble at his name. 
They, he, they know he is the Holy One. They know he's the righteous ruler. They know that he's the rightful ruler. One of these days, I want to tell you, don't, don't get too hung up down here uh, in your sorrow and pain because we ain't here for very much longer. There's going to come a day, the Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise and those of us who remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what the word of God says. So let's ask the sinner what he thinks. Well, could I just tell you this morning, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. He didn't come and die for you when you were dressed up in your Easter duds this morning. He died for you when you were living in sin on the road to hell and destruction. He loved you enough to die on the cross for you. That's what the saved people say about that and the sinner thinks about that. We could go, I don't have time this morning, but you could go to the first chapter of John and just see it multiply. It's kind of like the one plus one plus one, and they just multiply. There's first of all, there was John that was saved in verse 15. He bare witness of him. And then he's got two disciples, the Bible says. And they said, what seek ye? And they said, we're seeking the Lord. And John says, come see, come see. And, and then there was Peter. He gets saved. And the, then he goes immediately and finds his brother Simon. And then there's Philip in verse 43 and 44. And then there's Nathaniel in verse 45. That just, just like five. You know why it is? Because they said, come and see. Come and see. None of these people had theological backgrounds. None of these people knew the word of God. None of these people had any kind of study courses. They said, come and see. Come and see. I, I, my wife and I, one of our favorite spots is Niagara Falls. And we don't care for the falls much. I mean, we were there about 25 years. I don't know. We've been there five or six times. Uh, it's peaceful. If you're old and you want something peaceful, it's a peaceful place. Uh, but I remember looking at those falls for the first time and I thought, you know, this is wonderful. Man, that water, you know, tremendous. And after about 15 minutes, I thought, well, what do we do now? I mean, you know, there's only so much water you can just see coming over. What do you do now? And we started asking around. We were in a Rite Aid drugstore. And this little old uh, Canadian lady there, we were talking, and, and she said, oh, if you, you want to have fun, you want to be, you go up about 10 miles north, and there's a little town there called Niagara-on-the-Lake. And so we go there often. We love it. Oh, back in time. I mean, it's back in time. Uh, you still get creme brulee with coffee, and bless God, it's good. It, you know, it's just, it's just good. But we would, well, she walks. I rent a bicycle to try to keep up with her is what we do. Uh, but we would go down that river path, and you could see the river there. And three or four miles up from the Niagara Falls, the river's just a, like a normal river. I mean, it's just normal. And you see this guy out there in a rowboat, and he's having a picnic lunch, and I'm waving at him, hey, hey! And he said, hey, how y'all doing? You know, I say, hey, you're going for danger. Hey, I love y'all too. And he's just cruising right on down. Folks, that's where we are in America today. 
We've got everything on cruise control, and we're complacent, and we're just headed on down the river. Not, hey, don't cause anything. Don't stir up anything. I want to tell you something, folks. We've come to a place in America. We've come to a place in law. We've come to a place at Woodland Hills that we need to take a stand and say, thus saith the word of God. We're not going to back down from it. Our, our, some of our missions we support the Jesus Burger, you've seen in the paper, they're under stress and all for all that. Let me tell you, we ought to crowd that thing on Saturday and run people out of town on that. They are, we ought to be giving out the gospel every chance we get an opportunity to give it. And somebody going to come in and say, you can't help the poor anymore. Oh, ooh, see, y'all got me all fired up now. It's Easter. I'm supposed to be nice and preaching. I'm just telling you, we... we we're headed for destruction and somebody's got to stand up and say, I love my grandchildren enough to say enough is enough. We've got to stop this thing. Let me just share this with you. Salvation comes to those who are in a desperate strait. And we're about as desperate as we can get right now. You may have come in this place and said, oh, it's Easter. I just come. I, I, I don't know why you're here. Don't care why you're here. I just know you're not here by accident. Our God always has things under control and planned. And it may be that you're backed up against the wall and that you've come in here this morning. I told the doctor that myself. Well, I better not tell that. Uh, you may have come in here this morning. I just Let me just be honest with you. I've seen... People who were under great bondage get saved and be delivered just like that. Amen? I've seen others, though, that I know I feel like they got saved. But it was a constant struggle. And it took longer than just one moment. But I want to tell you this. Now, listen to me. I've never seen anybody get good enough to get saved. You have to be saved, and then you get over the other stuff. You can't do it without Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're in a mess, you're a candidate to be saved this morning. That's what it's all about. Jesus is the only thing that can change your life. The second thing I just want to remind you of is, is salvation comes from God. It's not you. <laughs> You can't do anything. You can't be anything. You can't give enough money. Your grandmama can't have said enough prayers. Let me tell you, it is God that has provided our salvation. One of the great things we're reminded of over and over again, every major religion, every one of them, the way you're trying to work your way to get to a point where you can get there. But in Christianity, it's already been done. All you need to do is humble yourself and come to the Lord and be saved. Uh, I, salvation is from God, not from us. I wish I had time to go through all that in the Old Testament. Salvation is accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said it is finished, he's not talking about him. He's talking about God's perfect plan of salvation. The atonement for sin. God has used Jesus uh, to literally save us through the blood of Christ. A lot of folks worried about the blood, want to take the blood out. Man, there's nothing that can wash your sins away but the blood of Jesus. That's it. Salvation also means the forgiveness of sin through uh, God's tender mercy. I was sitting on the back porch this morning. 
talking to Roger, and it doesn't do any good to talk to him anymore. He's deaf, but I still talk to him. Uh, and I was just, just sitting there thinking, you know, Roger, were it not for the grace of God, I could be getting up in Africa this morning. Were it not for the grace of God, every one of you could have been in India and not America. In the Jubilee School there, I don't want to lie. Where are you at, Denise? You're back up here. I, I hope I'm not lying. In Jubilee School now, every kid gets fed every day, right? But the kids around them only get one meal every other day. Now, folks, let me tell you, it's nothing but the grace of God why we're here this morning sitting where we are. It's God's grace. That's what he's done for us. So salvation means the forgiveness of the sin. And then, let me tell you, salvation results in a change of focus in life. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I want to tell you, you can't be the same anymore. You can't live the same life anymore. I'm not telling you it's going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, but literally, uh, you're going to change. There's going to be a change in you when Jesus comes into your heart and life. Years ago, a man named Dr. Bernardo ran a London orphanage. And he was approached by a little dirty, ragged, uh, closed little boy. And he asked the doctor for admission to the orphanage. The doctor looked at him and said, but my boy, I don't know you. What do you have to recommend you? The little boy was needy, but he was sharp. He was bright. He quickly held up before Dr. Bernardo his ragged coat. And with a confident voice, he said, if you please, sir, I thought these would be all I needed to get in. And the doctor hugged him and said, that's right, son. Come on in. Could I tell you this morning, if you're here without Jesus, you don't need to worry about bringing money. You don't need to worry about fine clothes. You just need to come like you are. Bring your old ragged self right down here and let the Lord Jesus Christ touch you and turn those ragged clothes into a robe of righteousness. Amen. Only he can do that. There was a Buddhist that got saved, and they were asking him, how did you come to, to, to uh, Jesus over Buddha? And he said, it's really real simple. I was walking down this road, and the road became a fork. I could go one of two directions. One side over here had a dead man. One side over here had a man that was alive. Now, which one would you choose? I want to tell you, Jesus is alive this morning. You need to choose Jesus this morning above all else. You may be here and you've never been saved. You say, well, I, this is too big a crowd. Well, then the Holy Spirit hadn't spoke to you yet. Because when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, you don't worry about the crowd. Listen, this crowd, we've got all day. We don't have anything to do until 6 o'clock tonight. If revival breaks out, we can just stay right here. Amen. Now, some of you not, I know, but, you know, I'm just telling you. Maybe this morning, though, you say, preacher, I know I'm saved. I know that. But I tell you, I'm not living like it. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. You need to come down to this altar and fall on your face before God. Say, Lord, I, I need help. I need help.
and I need you to help me. According to the word of God, he promises never to leave us nor forsake us. He will help you. Maybe you need a church home. Uh, there's not a better church this side of heaven than this church right here. I'm just telling you, these folk are good folk. They love people. They put up with me. Uh, they've got a tremendous staff. If you're looking for a church home where you can work and serve the Lord, this is the place you can be. This is it. But I want to just be honest with you. We're back to the same question. What are you going to do with Christ? What are you going to do? Father, thank you today for just allowing us to come and worship you. Lord, how this music has been such a blessing. And seeing the smiles of people and the Holy Spirit that's in this place today. God, would you just fall fresh those that need to be saved, that we've been praying for and praying for. Oh, God, today, could they come to know you as their personal Savior? Lord, for those that need to make other decisions, that need a church home, or those that need to just recommit their lives, Lord, maybe there's some in this place that you just need to take a husband and a wife and come and say, look, we, we haven't done this in years. We need to go down here and pray and, and put God back at the center of our home. Our children are worth it. Our grandchildren are worth it. We, 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 we've got to get back to the things of God. Lord, have your way in this service today. And we'll praise you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with